Or two of them. There you go. Aren't you thankful? Wow. Praise the Lord that He is Savior. Amen. So thankful for that. If you have your Bibles, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. Uh, we are finishing up walking through the Articles of Faith uh, together, and uh, we will do the last two today, Articles of Faith number 11 and 12. If you have not been with us, uh, we have been walking through these Articles of Faith as a church. These Articles of Faith were written on November 7, 1835, the day this church was founded. And uh, over 183 years ago, some faithful men and women got together, probably in a house, And they said, we're going to start a church. There's not a church here, but we're going to start one. And they opened the scriptures. And they said, well, let's look and see what God says, uh, what the church is to be about, and what we should believe. And so they did that. And they wrote these 11 articles of faith down. And uh, we're so thankful that we have these articles of faith. These are precious to us as a church. Uh, We have the original writing, the original document that was written uh, November 7, 1835. And you can see that over here uh, in the frame. But we're going to read these together, uh, articles of faith number 11 and number 12. Look at number 11. We believe in the resurrection of the dead and an eternal judgment. Uh, Read it again. We believe in the resurrection of the dead and an eternal judgment. Article of faith number 12. We believe that the punishment of the wicked and the joys of the righteous will be eternal. We believe that the punishment of the wicked and the joys of the righteous not maybe but will be eternal. I want you to notice in both of those, there is a word that is in both, and that is the word eternal. It is scripture that teaches us that the resurrection of the dead and there will be an eternal judgment. The scripture teaches us that the punishment of the wicked and also the joys of the righteous will be eternal. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25, where does this come from? comes from all of Scripture, but we'll read this one passage or one verse this morning in Matthew chapter 25. If you're able to, if you'll stand with me as we read the Scriptures together, Matthew chapter 25, verse 46. And the Bible says this, And they will go away into eternal punishment. There's that word again, eternal. But the righteous into eternal life. There's the word again, eternal. Let me read it again. And they, who are they? Those that are separated from God on this earth. Those that are not Christians, they have not submitted their life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And they will go away into eternal punishment. But the righteous, who are the righteous? Those that are in communion with God on earth. Those that have repented of their sins. They have submitted their lives to Jesus and he is master and Lord, they will go into eternal life. And so we want to make sure that the, we recognize the word eternal life. I would like for you, uh, if you have a pen uh, or a marker or highlight or whatever you have, uh, to go ahead and circle they or highlight they and then circle or highlight eternal. Make sure we know the Bible says eternal And then circle or highlight the word righteous. And then again, the word eternal. Yours may say a different word there. 
uh, but it is all the same. If you say, well, I can't write in my Bible, well, uh, go to Lifeway and buy one that you can write in. <laughs> and uh, you write in that Bible. It's okay to write in the Scriptures. Write in there. Uh, I recently started using a new Bible to preach out of. It has been the weirdest thing for me. You say, well, it's the same as your other one. It's not. It's not the same. I preached out of that Bible for nearly eight years, and it's got notes after notes after notes. And when you get a new one and there's no notes in there, you, it, it feels kind of weird. Um, but write in that scripture, underline and circle those things. Let's all say it together, can we? Look up at the screen. I know you have a different translation. Let's say the scripture together. Uh, here we go. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for the scriptures. We're thankful that you are Savior. We're so grateful for that. Lord, help us to understand the scriptures. Help us, even in this moment as we read the Scriptures, help us to have a greater understanding of what they say and what they mean and how we can apply to our life. Lord, help us, uh, help them to transform our minds and change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much. We see in the Articles of Faith, both of those, the, the word eternal there. We also see in the scriptures in Matthew 25, verse 46, we see the word eternal there uh, twice. And, and so we want to pay attention and pay close attention to what the scriptures mean by eternal. You and I have a limited understanding of the word eternal. Uh, we, there's never anything on this earth that we can experience uh, that is eternal. Everything on this earth is what's called temporal. The, de the definition of eternal is lasting forever or without end, as opposed to temporal, meaning enduring for a time only. Uh, we know temporal. Everything we see and touch and love on this earth uh, physically is temporal. One day it'll go away. And so all of that attention and, and praise that you give things and people on this earth know that it is only temporal. It will go away one day. Uh, and so it's hard for us to understand eternal. But uh, this scripture, and they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life gives the truth that it will never end. It gives us the truth as people to learn that the eternal punishment, the punishment of the wicked will be eternal. It will never end. But yet the joys of the righteous also will be eternal. It will never end. That truth helps us today know that this life is only a small part of your eternity. The life that you live on this earth, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. I just heard of someone who's like 109. Praise the Lord for that. 109. But even that 100 years is nothing in comparison for all eternity. But yet you and I, we spend so much time, money, and energy on the temporal. Does that make sense? In reality, no. That does not make sense. We spend so much time and energy and we waste so much worry on the temporal, on the here and now. Why not invest in eternity? Why not invest in where you're going to go for all eternity? I think that's a better idea. I think it's a better plan. Don't spend all your time investing in today. Guess what? Because today's going to be over. And then we got tomorrow. And tomorrow's going to be over. And at some point, all of that investing you're doing, it's going to go away. It's, it's fleeting. Life is fleeting. It's a vapor, the Bible says. 
What happens in this life will affect the next life that never ends. What happens in this life is important because what happens in this life will affect the next life that never ends. We learn that when death happens here, it's only the avenue or the mode of transportation to where you will spend eternity somewhere. Many say that death is the beginning of eternity. That's, uh, that death is the end of this and the beginning of eternity. That death is not the end, it's only the beginning. I don't think so. I think we're living in eternity now. It, it, it never ends. Death is simply the mode of transportation to wherever you're going to spend eternity. Death is the bus that gets you there, okay? Death is not the end of anything or the beginning of something else. It is the transportation that gets you from this life to eternity. And so if you're living separated from the Father on earth, death carries you to the place where people live separated from the Father. If you're living in communion with the Father on earth, death carries you to the place where people live in communion with the Father. But know this, what happens before death determines what happens after death. What happens before death, your physical death, determines what happens after your spiritual death. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. You will not come back as a dog. You will not come back as another human being. You're not going to do it. Other religions think you come back as something else, a cockroach or something. I don't know why they think that. I wouldn't have picked that. I mean, as silly as it sounds, I wouldn't have picked a cockroach. No, there's nothing like a shoe coming at you. I wouldn't want that. I'd pick something like a bald eagle. It's illegal to kill them. I think I'd go with that. I don't know. It's a good choice. It's not going to happen, though. It's appointed unto man once to die. And then what? The Bible says judgment. Judgment. So whatever happens on this life determines what will happen in the mode of transportation to the next. Let me share with you three observations from our articles of faith in the Scripture. Number one, the eternal punishment in hell is the eternal separation from God. The eternal punishment from hell is the eternal separation from God. See, the bad part about hell is not the descriptions of, of the scriptures, of what we have. We have a lot of uh, descriptions of what hell is going to be like. One of those, Revelation 21, verse number 8. It says, but the cowards, faithless, detestable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their share will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. But it never ends. A fire of sulfur, and, and it never ends in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 50, we get a, uh, a picture of what hell will be like in Matthew chapter 13. In verse 50, it says, And throw them, the angels will go out, separate the evil people from the righteous, and throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the description of hell. Many, many people say there is no hell. You can't believe the scriptures if you believe that. The Bible teaches of another place. There can't be heaven if there's no hell. Do you believe that? There can't be good news if there's no bad news. Then it's not good news, it's just news. And if there's heaven, there's a hell. In Mark chapter 9, it describes heaven like this. I mean, excuse me, hell like this. Where the fire never goes out. 
never goes out. There's no rain that comes down and puts it out. There's not, uh, uh, you run out of firewood and it just dwindles away. No, hell is a place where the fire never goes out. Jude chapter 1 verse 7 says, They serve as an example of those who suffer the punisher of the eternal fire. There's that word again, eternal fire. In Matthew chapter 13, the same chapter, just above in verse 42, it gives the same description. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Blazing furnace. It's not a place. It's not a, a, a nice place to go. I've heard the description of hell. It's just going to be a party all the time. No. If you're getting your descriptions of heaven and hell from a country song, you, you are, uh, you're going to be in a rude awakening when that happens. It's going to be nothing like that. And all of these descriptions and many more of these descriptions are not the worst part of hell. You say, well, <laughs> what do you mean? Sure they are. Well, sure they are. The punishment of the wicked. It, it's, that's our punishment is a fire that never goes out. It's the gnashing of teeth. The punishment of the wicked, it's, uh, it's like a fiery furnace that never goes out. No, God doesn't come in there with you like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's no rescue from it. You're always there for all eternity. Surely that's the punishment. That's got to be the punishment of hell. No loved ones, no joy, none of that. That's got to be the punishment of hell. That's not it. That's not the punishment of hell. Please hear me when I say this. The punishment of hell is not the descriptions of hell. The punishment of hell is that God won't be there. That's the punishment of hell. God won't be there. You're without God for all eternity. Therefore, you're without the attributes of God, the, the characteristics of God. No joy, no love, no peace, no loved ones, no pain-free living, no God. That's the punishment of hell. Uh, the other things are just the result of that punishment. The result of being separated from God for all eternity is, winter, winter, you get a lake of fire that'll never go out. You will spend all eternity gnashing your teeth. You know that terrible sound, don't you? Gritting your teeth. You hear someone in sleep, they're just grinding their teeth. It's awful. That's how eternity in hell is going to be all the time, gnashing of teeth, where the worm never satisfies. The worst part of hell is that God won't be there. How do I know that? Well, because God's the only one who has the power to change your circumstances. See, the moment you get into hell, you're going to realize that your lack of belief in who God is and trusting him in this life has caused you to live completely separated from him in the next and the punishment of hell is not the descriptions of hell and the things that are there. The punishment of hell is the thing that is not there. And that's God. Christ himself, the Lord, the, the peacemaker, the waymaker, the healer, the sustainer. He won't be there. And there's no praying to God, save me from this, rescue me from this. There's none of that. That's the punishment of hell. Why? Because he's the only one that has that power to change it. He's the only one who provided a way for you to miss it, and you didn't. He's the only one, and you'll realize that at the last moment, and there will be no turning back. It's appointed unto man once to die. The other things, they're just the result of separation from God. Let me give you an example. When your children act up, you need to punish them. Well, you should. 
some of you, I don't know, when I'm out and about, I don't, there's not much punishment going on. But anyway, it's a personal issue in my own heart. I'm working through that. <laughs> you punish your children, right? You spank them, right? You should. I mean, don't beat them. But, you know, there's a line there. You should spank your children, you know? Some of y'all don't agree. I can tell. <laughs> um, I've been around your kids. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm just, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm just being serious. Um, they spank your child, you know. Um, <laughs> especially when you go out and about, right? You're in a restaurant. You're in Walmart or something. You're like, your kid needs to be beat. He, he shall surely not die is what the scripture says. He shall surely not die. Now, don't beat, the, don't beat them. There's a line there. But, hey, sting that honey a little bit. Hey, he won't die. Guess what? Your parents did it to you. And guess what? You turned out pretty good. Hey. I heard a comedian say, parents have gotten so creative, they'll take toys and turn them into paddles. My mama did that. Y'all know that toy with a paddle? He said some dad carved that thing out and said, it's a paddle for our kids. And he, the comedian said, no, the mom took it from him and said, no, they'll catch on. He, she said, let's put a rubber band and a ball at the end of it. They'll never know. They'll think it's a toy. And they're so excited about getting a paddle. My mom wouldn't me one time. I, I, I hid in a department store one time. I did really good. They, she, nobody could find me. You know, the circle racks of clothes, I got into one of them, and nobody could find. Heard my name over the intercom multiple times. True story, true story. I thought, I have found the greatest uh, hiding spot there is. Michael Snyder, your mom is waiting for you up front, <laughs> you know, giggling like a little punk kid. Well, I finally came out, thought I was going to get congratulated, and I did. My mama bought me one of those, big old paddle. Had a ball, a rubber band with a ball on it, you know. I thought, golly, I'm getting congratulated. We got out of that store. She ripped that rubber band off and whooped me all across that parking lot. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I never did it again, Joey. I never did it again. <laughs> if you're in Walmart, just go to the paint section. They give free paddles at the paint section. <laughs> did you know that? They're free. Don't get the gallon stirred. Get that five gallon. It's thicker. You can hit harder with that. It, it won't hurt as much. If you're a visitor with us, I'm not for corporal punishment or like punishing your kid. I know it sounds that way, but uh, I'm just saying they do give them away. We have a Home Depot paint stirrer in our house. We've used it so much, it's rounded on one end. We've just, you know, we call it the encourager. <laughs> That's what we call it. Anyway, punish your children. You spank them, and then what do you do? You take something away from them. You ground them. Where they can't go places. Take their phone, Xbox, no TV or something, right? You should. It's yours. It's not theirs. It's yours. Take it away from them. What hurts them the most? What's more punishment to them? The spanking? No. No. It's taking away something they love. It's that separation of something. That's what, that's the greater punishment. It's that separation. The same is for hell. It's not the, the physical things you'll deal with in hell. It's the separation from the Lord. That's the punishment. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.9 says, They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from his glory and his might. They will be shut out. 
of the presence of the Lord. Many say there's no hell. The Bible teaches otherwise, and we at East Aboga teach otherwise. Listen to me. If you're separated from God in this life, you will remain separated from God in the next. That's truth with no opportunity to change it. You cannot be separated from God in this life and reunited with Him in heaven in the next life. If that were the case, there would be no reason for Christ, no reason for the cross, no purpose for the church. In matter of fact, you would hate heaven anyway. You'd hate it there. You're separated from God here. Why? Because you don't like God. The Bible says you're an enemy to Him. You don't like Him, His people, or His church. You'd hate heaven because all you're going to do in heaven is bow at His feet and praise and worship Him for all eternity. You don't like it now, you won't like it then. So if you're separated from the Father today, you'll be separated from Him for all eternity. I'll read you an example. In Luke chapter 16, in Luke chapter 16, you see the rich man of Lazarus. Luke 16, verse 19, there was a rich man who would dress in purple and fine linen, feasting lavishly every day. But a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, was lying at his gate. You see the two pictures of who this is? He longed to be filled with what fell from the rich man's table, but instead the dogs would come and lick his sores. Can you picture it? One day the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's side. You see that picture? Death carried him as just the mode of transportation to eternity. The rich man also died and was buried. And beginning in, and being in torment in Hades, he looked up and saw Abraham a long way off with Lazarus at his side in heaven. Father Abraham, he called out, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this flame. He was in agony. That's what hell's going to be like. Observation number two. The eternal joys in heaven is the eternal communion with God. It's the same about heaven as it is with hell. It's just the opposite. The greatest punishment of hell is that God won't be there. But the greatest joy in heaven is that God will be there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse, starting at verse 13, Paul tells us, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, meaning those that have already died, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again in the same way through Jesus, God will bring, him, uh, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by word, of, word from the Lord. Who are still, we who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. What he's saying is when God comes back, and listen to me, God will come back. Jesus will return the second advent, the second coming. What he's saying is when Jesus returns, those that are alive at that moment, they're not going to go before those that have already died. Here's what will happen. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That's what it means in our article of faith. We believe in the resurrection of the dead, that when Jesus returns, those that were Christ followers on earth, they will their, their grave is going to open up and their body is going to go up in the air and meet their soul where Christ is, and they're going to reunite with one another. And then after that, verse 17, then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Listen to it. And so we will always be with the Lord. Amen? Always be with the Lord. And so we will always be with the Lord. Look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. Here's our instruction. Therefore, 
Encourage one another with these words. What words? That those who have the hope of Christ, those that are in communion with the Lord in this life, we will always be with the Lord. Amen? We'll always be. Isn't that encouraging? That no matter what happens, I'm going to always be with the Lord. When the shout of heaven happens and God blows the trumpet and Christ returns, I know it's at that moment I'm going to always be with the Lord. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that I will always, you as a Christ follower, will always be with the Lord. Trust the scriptures. Trust the Lord. You say, preacher, you don't know what I've done in my life. I've submitted my heart to Christ. I've, I've repented. I'm a Christian, but I've done a lot of things after that. I don't, I'm not so sure. Listen to me, dear brother, dear sister. If you have confessed with your mouth and you have believed in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will always be with the Lord. Your sin didn't save you, and your sin won't send you to hell. Christ saved you, and Christ will redeem you, and you will always be with him in heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord. Always. Man, we're thankful for that always. It's another word for eternal. We'll always be with him. For those, we, those who are Christians, will always be with the Lord. Who are we? We're Christians, believers. Those who have been reunited back in fellowship with God. People who were once sinners, enemies of God, separated from God because of their sin the question is so if those who have already been reunited in fellowship back with God will be with him for always what about those who have not been reunited back in fellowship with God what about those who remain separated from God in this life because of their sin and without the substitution for their sin what about them they will remain that way for always if those who are believers in this life will always be with the Lord, then those who are not believers will always be without the Lord. Always. That's the scriptures telling us that. The Bible says, let those who have ears, let him hear. Listen to the severity of what the scriptures are teaching us. If your life ends on this earth, and you are not a Christian, you are not, uh, you are not in uh, fellowship with the Lord, you will remain that way for all eternity. That's not me telling you that. That is coming straight from the mouth of God. They will remain that way for always, eternally separated from God, always. So, Pastor Mike, what are the joys of heaven? The Bible gives us, just like of hell, the Bible gives us descriptions of heaven the joys of heaven is not whoo i made it now i can have joy wow that was close you know what i'm saying whoa i wasn't so sure for a while but i made it now i can rest and have joy thank you lord that's not the joy of heaven the, sorry, I got a little dizzy for a minute. I don't know why. Let me get through it for a second. I've been yelling too much, I think. The joys of heaven is not when you cross through the pearly gates, you go, wow, 
I didn't think I'd make it. The Bible gives us great descriptions of heaven. The joy is not when you walk up to the pearly gates and I don't know if all this really happens, but you see the pearly gates and you go, those are the most beautiful pearls. I've, I've never seen pearls like that. That's not the joy of heaven. Now you ladies are thinking, I don't know. Try me. <laughs> I could have some joy right now. Um, <laughs> the joy of heaven is not when those pearly gates open and you see that road before you and you go, that's not pavement. That's not concrete. That's gold. And you start walking on that street of gold and you think, this is the most beautiful, smoothest thing I've ever been on. No more potholes. Amen. That's not the joy of heaven. No more potholes. I mean, some of you are thinking, try me. <laughs> try me. Oh, it's going to be great because your commute is full of potholes. The joy of heaven is not when we walk through, we look over to the edge and we go, boy, that looks like water over there. What is that? We get a little closer and we go, that's not water, that's crystal. That's pure crystal. That's a crystal sea. Oh, that brings me so much joy. No, that's not the joys of heaven. Listen to me now. The joys of heaven is not when you enter into heaven and you see loved ones that have gone on before you. The joys of heaven is not, oh, I can't wait to see my spouse or mom or dad or grandmother, grandfather or son or daughter. Yes, all those things are great, but that's not the reason we'll have joy in heaven. The reason we'll have joy in heaven because God will be there. That's why we'll have joy because only God can give joy. Golden streets, that don't give joy. That just gives happiness. Pearly gates only gives happiness for a while. Crystal sea, loved ones only bring us happiness for so long. But God, God brings joy. And joy, the Bible says, is what? It's eternal. The joy of heaven, the joys of the righteous are eternal. Why? Because we will be in the presence of God. We'll be in the presence of the Lord We'll be in the presence of the one who formed us, who knitted us together in our mother's womb, who one day reached down and pulled us out of darkness and set us in the, to the light. The one who uh, uh, tore us apart and built us back up and shaped us and molded us into what he wanted us to be. We'll be in the presence of the one who saved us in the presence of the one who reached down and saved our children, in the presence of the one who provided for us when we could not provide for ourselves, we'll be in the presence of the one that protected us when we could not protect ourselves. It's not because you made it. It's not because you did enough to get there. That's not the joy of heaven. It's not because of the things that you'll see and experience. It's because God will be there. And what a wonderful place it'll be. God, you know the one that you go to when you've exhausted all of your resources. The one that you go to, he'll be there. You know the one that you cry to sometimes because life is a mess. And you don't know how you're going to make it. And you start crying and tears come out of your eyes because it's a mess. Your flesh is out of control. Things aren't going the way they ought to go. And then God's still there. You'll be in the presence of that God. You'll be, you'll be in the presence of the one that looked down and saw you in your helpless estate and then sent Christ to change it. And he did. And so you and I will have all eternity 
to experience that wonderful joy. Will it be great to see loved ones? Absolutely. But it will be great to see the one who is love, and that's God. It'll be great to be in his presence. Number three, everyone will spend eternity somewhere. The question is, where will you spend it? I need you and I to seriously think about this question. Uh, Everyone. Every person that is in this room, in our nurseries, that's listening online, every person that is on the road passing back and forth as we meet, every person in your family, every person you work with, every person you know or do not know, everyone will spend eternity somewhere. And I have only given you the two options of where that somewhere is because there are only two options. And the scriptures teach us there's only two destinations. Everyone will spend eternity somewhere. Here's what I know. Everything revolves around God. Everything. When you go up into heaven for all eternity, you're going to worship Him because why? Everything revolves around Him. When you go down into hell, if those that are down into hell, they're going to spend eternity hoping and wishing and wishing and wishing that they believed in the God that someone told them about. It's all about God. In having joy, you have um, joy and praise for eternity because in heaven you have joy and praise for eternity because you're with God. And in hell, you have punishment and agony because you're now separated from God for all eternity without any possible way to overturn it. Listen, once you're there, you're there. There's no second chances. I need you to hear me when I say this. Uh, it is appointed unto man once to die and then judgment. There's no second chances. That judgment is not another opportunity for you. Uh, how did the rich man react when asked uh, to get just a, a drop of water? Listen to what Abraham said. Remember he said, I'm in agony. If you could just get a, a tip of, uh, dip the tip of your finger in water and cool my tongue. Abraham said, son, remember that during your life you received good things just as Lazarus received bad things. But now he's comforted here while you're in agony. You know why? Because sometimes I, you, you better believe that the devil will give you everything you want so that you won't get depend on the God you need. And I think sometimes that happens. I think things happen in your life and the devil's activated and he's working in your life and you'll get everything you need and you realize I don't need God I, I got look at all I have look at the kingdom I've built and that's what happened with the rich man besides all this a great chasm has been fixed between us and you so that those who want to pass from here to there to you cannot neither can those from there cross over to us you know what he told them there's no getting out even if I wanted to give you a drop of water I couldn't do it You're there, and there's no getting out. Father, he said, then I beg you to send him to my father's house because I have five brothers to warn them so that they won't also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them, meaning they have the scriptures. They need to listen to the scriptures. You didn't, but they need to. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. But he he told them, if they don't listen to Moses and the prophets... They will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. Go if someone from the dead will just go to them. 
they'd believe. Someone from the dead did go to them. Someone from the dead is coming to you too. And that's Jesus. He was risen from the dead. You know why? To come tell you to trust in the Father. Trust in Him. Trust in the Lord. Listen, I I don't know a lot, but here's what I do know. You will either believe now or you'll believe then. That's scripture and that's what we learn from this passage. You'll either believe now or you'll believe then. Remember when I said what happens in this life greatly affects what happens in all eternity, the next life? That's what that means. You'll either believe now or you'll believe then. Rich man didn't believe, did he? He does now. He does now. Please go and tell my brothers to believe in God, to go trust in the Lord. Please go tell them. I believe now, but it's too late. You'll either believe now or you'll believe then. I can, with all of my heart and compassion, I am begging you to believe now. Believe now. Believe today. Listen to me. You may be thinking, I need you to hear me on this. This is very important. This is literally eternal life or death for you and for me. I think the scriptures are true, and I believe them when they say, you'll either believe now or believe then. The Bible says life is a vapor. It just comes and goes. It's, it's here in a flash. Many people say, well, I've got time. i got time, especially young people. Woo, i got time. I mean, look, look, i got parents and grandparents. They're still alive. Nothing happened to them. Look how great they did. i still got time. Listen, your parents and grandparents are completely blessed because God has given them this much time. The Bible says no man knows the hour. you believe that? You know what that means? That means at any moment this life could be over, and death will carry you to the next and hear me when I say this. If you do not trust in Jesus in this life, death will carry you to a place where you will never, ever have the opportunity to do so. And with all I can, I can't talk you into it. I can't uh, make you believe God has to do that. And I have prayed that God would today. I'm not trying to win you into heaven because what it looks like, and I'm not trying to scare you out of hell because what it'll be like. All I want to do is, is, is convince you uh, that God loves you so much. And God sent his son to die on the cross for you, and a dead man was risen to life to tell you, believe in God, come to the Father, and trust in him today. Because if you don't, the Bible says you will bow one day. You may say in here today, with all your pride, I ain't doing it. I'm not bowing. Well, listen here, dear brother, dear sister. God will humble you one day, and he, you will be made to bow. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. Every Muslim, every Hindu, every Mormon, every Jehovah's Witness, every other religion, uh, apart from those that trust in Jesus Christ of the Bible, they will bow. And listen to me, you will too. Please don't be made to. Trust in Jesus today. Let's pray. Father, I believe there's people in this room that they're separated from you. Lord, I believe there's people come in this room and they've been dealing with that for a while. They're not real sure. God, they're not sure if they're saved or not. They're not sure if life ended today, where that life, that, the, that transportation would take them. 
eternally separated from you in hell or eternally, eternal in communion in fellowship with you in heaven. Lord, they don't know. Listen, if that's you, I, I, I don't want you to be in torment with that. Boy, that can just worry you to death. I think the Bible is also clear that says you can know that you have eternal life. You can know. So I want you to know today. I, I, I don't want you to worry about it. I want you to know today. And that's very simple. Trust in Jesus. The Bible says confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. So all you got to do right there where you're sitting is say, God, I want to trust you today. And I'm confessing today that you are Lord. And I want you to be Lord of my life. The Bible says believe in your heart that he's risen from the dead. So I pray that God will put that belief in your heart that, that Christ was risen from the dead. And he died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven today. And you pray and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of where I failed you, Lord. I want to trust in you today. Lord, I've doubted that for so long, but I want to make it right today. Lord, I know there's people in this room, they thought I've say, I've been saved forever. But Lord, I don't care about any of that right now. Lord, I just want to know. I want to know that when that moment comes, I'll be eternally in fellowship with you. Would you trust Jesus today? In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. Pastors will be down front. We'd love to pray with you. All you got to do is you come forward, grab one of us and say, I trusted in Jesus today. I trusted in him today. We want to pray with you. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices and we want to join them. Maybe you're a Christian here. You're a believer. You know that. And maybe you're like me. You just want to pray and come at an altar and pray and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you that I don't have to wait to heaven to have joy. I can have it today because Christ lives in me. The Holy Spirit is in me. God is within me and I have joy. And I won't let anything take that away from me. Father, have your way, Lord. I know you're speaking to hearts. Lord, I know that. I can sense that. And I pray people have boldness and know it don't matter what people think. Lord, if they need your Son as their Lord and Savior today, I pray that they have repented of their sins, trusted in Him, and they'll follow that with boldness to come forward. And may we pray with them and help them with the next steps of that. Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Will you